Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, today is a really special day because I'm sitting here with Lori Wilson, who's a dear friend of mine, and she also happens to be the executive director for Youth for Christ, and I'm sitting here at Palm Mitchell School Great Lakes. You've obviously transformed a lot of people, but I know that's come through your own transformation. Mm-hmm. So let's start first at home, because I believe yeah. leadership starts at home, and Absolutely. you've led so well at home. Uh, you've been married 34 years. You have two kids, 27 and 25. Talk about when, when you hear, I believe leadership starts at home, what does that mean for Lori Wilson? Yeah. Be available at home. Yeah. You know, first and foremost, um, am I creating time in my day to just get a, knowing the Lord a little bit more? And then I always, one of my mentors challenged me to do that in the morning so I could practice it all day. So I'd get yeah. to know the Lord a little bit in the morning. And when my toddlers were young, you know, I was frustrated because I couldn't have a lot of time, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I just got to know him a little bit more, and then I got to practice it. I practiced it with how to be a loving wife. I practiced it with how to be a mom, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I practiced it with how to be a good neighbor. Yeah. And so those are the things that um, I, God challenged me to put into place early on. God also called my hubby and I about halfway in our marriage um, to walk a difficult road. So what that taught me about my husband's health, don't compare, don't think about all the things we're missing, is what we all need to do. Who is in front of us, where are we at, and are we fully where we're at? Yeah, are you fully where you're at? Because so many Mm -hmm. people are not fully where they're at. They're mm-hmm. always the next meeting or the next thing. Mm-hmm. It's really helped me in my leadership. Really? Okay, so Very, to be fully where you're at. Is there anything you do? Fully invested where you're at. Don't how do you do think that? about the next. What is there, what's, give me some tangible examples of how you stay present. Because I know present was one of my words a couple of years right. ago. Be right. present. It's important. Yeah. Well, how do you do that? Give me some tangible so, ways. busy people can be even more busy you have to create you create margin in your life Mm. you create enough margin in your life which looks crazy busy to other people but it's not to you yes there's margin in your life enough to be present where you're at Mm. so I try not to jam one thing into the next okay I'm very planned ahead also yes you know in my ministry now I really try that Mm. with with my younger staff because it's training. It's up to the leader. It isn't really it? is yeah. up to the leader. It's up to the leader. So Whoever leading that leader, we, it's like up to Youth them. for Christ, we have weekly staff meetings. And so if I'm planning ahead, I'll say, mm-hmm. this is due at this staff meeting. Yeah. And so this is working months ahead. Yeah. You know, we're going to proof it by here. And we're it's not babysitting, this. it's empowering no, no. and encouraging. Mm-hmm. Do you get to the point, because I talked on my last podcast, the difference between managing and leading. So sure. managing is babysitting, mm-hmm. leading is empowering. Yes. And so I think the two get confused uh-huh. sometimes. Yeah. But like I said uh, earlier today, I was coaching one of my leaders and I said, you know, my little grandson Aiden, I'm going to hold him on his bike for a long time. Mm-hmm. 
before he can actually pedal by himself. So it's up to me as the leader to see when he can actually pedal on his own. Yeah. And so I think sometimes as leaders, we kind of let go too soon mm -hmm. and they can't really pedal on their own. And so we think they can, and then right. we get mad right. when they can't. Like well, they'd be mad, like I can't be mad at my grandson. Right, you know? no. <laughs> it's like, what? what's the matter well, with you? Why can't you ride this bike? Right. <laughs> and I think we sometimes have it backwards. So mm -hmm. if I am gonna be a good leader, I have to teach them how to manage their day. So I almost have to go backwards okay. and be a better manager Ooh. for them to watch. Okay. Teach them how to, to manage. manage their day. Yes. Yeah. So you help them yeah. to manage it. But see, you've hired and I've hired awesome leaders. Right. But we, we mix the two up. So they're they're really phenomenal at their area of expertise. Right. But management might not be what they're excellent right. at. Right. And, and that's why I developed the planner, to be honest with you, Lori, because I was using all of these tools and they yeah. just weren't connecting with me. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm just going to make my own. Right. And that's why I did, because for years I was stuffing papers in other planners, you know, uh -huh. that I like. Yeah. And so I just yeah. developed my own. And I know it's going to, you know, evolve over the years because I'll fall into more love to right. other tools as well, too. But I think just find something you love and mm -hmm. stick to it yes. on a consistent yeah. basis. So it's up to the leader to make sure that they're doing it. So I've honestly failed my leaders in this. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, if my leaders are listening to this, I failed you. I promise you we're gonna pick back up where we left off because I really needed to hear this message, Lori. So I'm so glad you're here. Let's let's talk a little bit more about what you've been doing because I love the fact that you've been a high school and middle school teacher, first of all. Okay, I mean, let's talk about the failures with that. Tell me some leadership transformation, untold transformational stories you've had with <laughs> I went from a teacher to an athletic director to assistant principal to principal. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, from classroom management, um, <laughs> I can remember this kid wanted to use the restroom, and I'm like, principal said you weren't supposed to go to the restroom, so I'm thinking, how am I going get, to get kid back? I'm thinking, he's got $220 shoes on. I said, you hop to the bathroom, you give me one shoe, you'll hop back. No way. That's <laughs> I creative. When I was a young teacher. Wow. You know? And so did he? He did. I knew <laughs> I knew he'd be back. Because he was going to skedaddle out of there, right? Yeah. I did that. Yeah. I did that in high See? school. I'm going to the bathroom and I never came See? back. <laughs> so I thought, that, that young man is going to come back if he wants his $110 one shoe yes. back. Oh so, my gosh, um, that's good. So just being creative, I learned that. And I learned mm. um, I learned with middle school that uh, love them where they're at and look at them and mm. say to them often, this is what I see in you. Boy, if you can grab a middle school kid and say, wow, I love your giftedness. This is what I can see in you. They really own that. They live up yeah. to it. Wow. Because they don't see that in them yet. Yeah. No, you that's know, so they're true. They're awkward that's... and they're... And then oh, high school, cool. you know, high school kids are a whole different. You know, they've got it all figured out. Yeah. Why don't all the teachers yeah. do this? Why do you think, because um, you don't hear this very often. No. Like, this is rare. This is really rare. And I yeah. love the fact that you said love them where they're at because I, I'm constantly, constantly training, uh, because I had to train myself, untold stories of leadership transformation. I did not love people where they were at. Yeah. I did not honor people where they're at. I, I wanted them to be where I was at. Sure. And that was, that was my yeah. big mistake. But yeah. once I realized that once I started honoring myself, uh -huh. then I started to honor people. So talk uh -huh. tangibly, how do you really love people where they're at? Yeah. How do you, Lori? Uh, you know, I just, 
you know, I had the privilege of so much privilege of how I was raised and where I was raised. And I just mm. remember a couple sayings of my mom, you know, if we were going to judge somebody, she'd say, um, hey girl, you watch out, you're one step away from making a bad choice too. Wow. Yeah. We, my brother and I would almost get mad sometimes because mm -hmm. they'd want my mom and dad's input and in how to ch you know change lives yeah. or just loving them where they're at. Nice. So I got to see that. Yeah. You know, and certainly through my relationship with the Lord, you know, He loves me where I'm at, and He knows I'm a work in progress. Mm -hmm. So I've, I, I just those two things I think really helped me as a teacher. Yeah. To kind of see that, and people, I remember the first teacher, and we all remember this if we're teachers. Why are you in education? If you ask any teacher that, they'll say, mm. I had a teacher who, yes. and they, they won't Changed say it this life. way, they won't say it this way, saw something in me I didn't see. Yeah. Most teachers yeah. will have that story. And so Very I was one of them. I was one of them, and then mm. I became that kind of a teacher. Tell, tell that story, like when, when that transformation happened, when someone believed in you. Seventh grade. Seventh I can grade. remember a teacher. Okay. And I was horrible at English and writing mm. and, and I just was bad I think I had a, like a slight dyslexia you know they kind of didn't catch things at that time like they are doing better at now wow but um she just was so long-suffering with me and so positive with me and she tried to see things how I saw them mm. she, tell me what you're seeing and what you know and so she would kind of try to see it through my eyes and she's and she would keep saying to me you no, know, Lori, what I see you being, and it's exactly what I am today. Lori, what I, I see, see you, you being. being and I see you being a leader of many, the way you carry yourself. Um, and she was, she was funny. She says, you will have people around you that will be able to spell and write well. And that's been true. And I've needed them. That you takes know. my breath away. Yeah. Wow, what an impact yeah. that she had on She said, you. but you will inspire them to be better people too. And better writers. And that's better. what you're doing now, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. And I've always had that privilege of having that. Yeah. All the way through my career. Wow. So tell me, um, athletic director, I think, is really funny. <laughs> what is exactly, what do you do as yeah. an athletic director, yeah. first of all? Were you into sports or something? I is was. I was a four-varsity okay. letter winner as a Beautiful. high school student. In what sport? And you're only supposed to letter in three, because there's only three seasons yeah. a year. Uh, what Volleyball, basketball, okay. um, softball, and track. Wow. Yeah, and I love track because all we You're have to do is we just have to practice handoffs. Okay. And we got on a varsity letter for track. But got I it. was really a softball player. Okay. But we were fast, so they asked us to run the 4 by 100 relay. So, wow. And so yeah. why athletic director? What did you have to you do? You know, it was interesting because I was a varsity volleyball coach for many years, state level champ. Okay. Um, even at Northern up here, um, I, I yeah. was. But we, I was a varsity volleyball coach for many years, 23 years. Wow. And successful. Yeah. So my teams were successful. And I think when I had the administration degree and stuff like that, that's kind of how it led into athletic director first. Mm -hmm. They thought, well, she's been successful. She runs a big program. She doesn't just run it at the high school. She runs it all the way through elementary, all the way through. She built a program. Wow. You know what I mean? That's beautiful. So when you see that, then you would say, wow, if we need another athletic director and she knows how to run quality programs, mm -hmm. maybe we could take that athletic director and they develop 
quality programs for all sports help all coaches do that yeah i love that i feel like Mm -hmm. that prepared you for the moment of being a principal now let's talk Mm -hmm. about being a principal it was it of a high school yes okay high school so that's kind of like me being the principal of this school i hear about cosmetology school okay so very very similar i actually uh fired myself many years ago from that position (laughs) it wasn't doing so well and then of course started studying leadership and then realized then my transformation started to happen i wasn't honoring people where they were at Mm -hmm. and so that really is in a nutshell right it's important so talk about you what was your um tell me some of your failures and your some of your successes that you had as a principal some of my failures were there's a lot of different pieces to principaling so people i did well okay you know, love them where mm-hmm. they're at. Keep growing them. Uh, you want to you want a neat program in math. Well, we can't do it this year, but how could we work towards that? Let's find a grant. Let's find it. You know, so we implement what we can and we work towards it. Um, some things I didn't do well is you know I'm not a curriculum expert, so mm. sometimes you have to be jack of all for as a principal. And I and see. so you know they have great people that are really smart at that, but you know. I could do people, I could do management, I could do parents, kids. Okay. But sometimes all the pieces were a struggle. I wasn't strong in all the pieces. I had to, I had kept having to improve on some of those other areas. Gotcha. You so know, that was the hard being that part. that academic leader. Did you just you give know? up and say, I'm not going to learn this? Is that what happened? Or did I you learn it later? I didn't give up on it. I, I think sometimes I, I just decided... Maybe this is not fully me. Got it. And that's okay. a real humbling thing to say. Mm, this is not fully a me. A lot of it know? is me. A lot of it is me. Like 90%, but not that 10. And I, yeah. as much as I tried to learn it and get better at it, it just wasn't me. It wasn't my thing. Yeah. So talk to that person right now yeah. because I know some people feel like they're kind of stuck in that dead end J-O-B or career, yeah. right? So talk to that person. How will they know if it's not for them? You will work hard. You will beat yourself up. Okay. You know, because you want to get better at that. Yeah. You will try different workshops and different things. But no matter what you do to improve that... <laughs> It just falls flat. It's yeah. like bouncing a round ball. All the rest of the ball sounds around. Yeah. But and it bounces back up in your hand. But when you bounce that piece, it flat. Yeah. No, that's good. And I'm like, I can't get it to bounce back up as much as I want it to. Okay. Yeah. And you have to kind of be honest with yourself. And that was uh, 2006. I fired myself from doing hair because I realized that wasn't me. I wasn't good at it. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing that was going to be able to help me to be better at doing hair. And I just picked, I actually literally took a mannequin head. I'm looking at this mannequin head right here, threw it in the corner, Lori, and quit that day. (laughs) Uh, One of my learning leaders, she since has passed, but she left uh, right up to the day she passed at me. Every time she walked by me in this office, she'd start laughing because she just thought that was the funniest darn thing when I fired myself and uh, because she was our cutting specialist who really great beautiful woman and but I just realized but then I picked myself up and said okay I'm gonna find what I am good at so talk to that person like then how did you pick yourself up from that to figure out what you are good at what did you do it was it was a journey okay you know I would wake up sometimes in the middle of the night a little anxious yes and I'd have to walk around going 
I understand why those can't I be better thoughts. at that? Why couldn't I do that? You know what? You know, I'm a smart woman. I can learn this. I can. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to be okay with failure. Yeah. Be okay with failure. Yeah. And how'd you do that? Like, it give, is not something the that's away. been in my, no, uh, my past history. Yeah. I've not failed. That's probably the biggest challenge uh-huh. I have with my leaders. In fact, uh-huh. I constantly tell uh-huh. them, fail big, uh-huh. fail often, but fail fast and let's move forward. Like yes. it's okay yes. to fail. I had to tell myself for about one uh-huh. year, failure is my friend because I felt like you and I just kept affirming myself over and over. Mm-hmm. Failure is my friend, failure is my friend because then I could figure out what was my friend, mm-hmm. right? I could figure out what I was good at. Mm-hmm. And so I started taking self-assessments to figure out what were my strengths mm-hmm. and I started really digging into those. So when I do coach people, I'm trying to focus just on their strengths. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you one of my biggest lessons lately is until you truly, truly have that safety with your leader, mm-hmm. do not point out their weaknesses. Unless they're character flaws that need to be addressed right away, sure. don't point out their weaknesses until you have that safety with them because you'll lose them Absolutely. with them. And so at that point, do it very, very gentle. So is that something that you've done with your leaders too? I, I love the fact that you're uh, an executive director of a nonprofit, so that tells me that you're a leader of all leaders because here you are, you've got people working underneath you that aren't making money mm-hmm. because they're volunteering their time, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And so, and like, hello, <laughs> like, and you can still leave them. At least yeah. I have people I pay. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, of course they're working because they're getting paid, right. you know, but a true leader yeah. is someone that can lead people that aren't getting paid. Right. So talk through right. that process. You know, so I have three leaders that I pay and um, an awesome secretary that is complimenting my weaknesses. Okay. I love that. And yes, let's talk about that in yeah, a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we manage almost 90 volunteers a week. 90 volunteers. Uh-huh. Wow. And that's just the weekly ones. Wow. So we manage What's 90, that like? 90 volunteers a week. Mm-hmm. And so you ask the great question. What, how do you keep, and, and we'll probably have a hundred here in the next week or so because really? we're just starting our clubs again. Beautiful. So when I started three years ago, we had 53 that went in a, with us a week. Yes. Now we're at almost a hundred. Okay. This is my third school year that mm. I've been with um, this nonprofit. So how is that? How do you double your volunteers mm-hmm. in under three years? Because they have to see the impact. Yeah. They have to see the change lives. Whatever mm-hmm. your nonprofit is, they have to see the impact. And then you have to make it as simple as possible for them to be successful. Wow. Okay. But, okay, go ahead. This is big. Because yeah. number huge. one, they got to see the impact. I don't care yes. what business you're in. They have your to people see have to see the impact. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of our yeah. uh, values in our salon uh, company. Nice. Um, same thing here at the schools. Mm-hmm. They got to see the impact, right? Mm-hmm. So that's number one. What was number two? Um, you have to make it make as it simple. simple as possible for them to be successful. Whew. Okay, make it as simple as possible mm-hmm. for them to be There's successful. There's a third thing that goes with this, though. Okay. Okay. Have you ever been part of something that all you did was show up and you felt like, why am I here? What difference am I making? Yes. So yeah. I'm here every week, and yes. I don't know my role here. I don't know what I'm doing. Confused. I'm not. Lack of clarity. 
So, so mm-hmm. what I'm saying by that is, it's not like simple doesn't mean they're not working hard, right? Right. I want to know that my volunteers know that because they show up, impacts occurring. Not right. because they sit there, but because they're well prepared to go in and do what we need them to do. They need to know that their physical presence and their preparedness is huge impact on these lives. Yes. That they're not just a body. Mm-hmm. They are people that are investing in kids. How do you do that? How do you make that happen? Because, I mean, I think a leader's listening right now that just does not know how. They're like, I don't have time to do that. Right? <laughs> right? right. So how do you right. make the time right. to do that? Give me some advice here. So we do a big kickoff with all our volunteers. Okay. And we train, we train five times a year. Okay. And we say, you have to come to three out of five. Got it. Okay. And one of those is online because we figure online training is still good. Mm-hmm. It's great. We can do that. We do that in the winter months so that people don't have to travel. Yeah. And we give them all kinds of prizes if they do their online training yeah. you know, as incentive because we want them to do it. Yeah. I, what I keep hearing from you, Lori, and I love about this is because one of the struggles that I have not only with myself but with my leaders is follow-up. How do you become a good follow-upper? Mm-hmm. How did? How, what was your transformational moment for that? You know, to become a good follow-upper. Is that a word? Yeah, it's, <laughs> we're making up a lot of words. Uh-huh. I, I think um, I, I learned this one statement a long time ago. What you expect, in, mm. inspect. Yes. What you expect constantly inspect. Inspect. Yes. So. Never expect what you don't inspect. It won't happen, and, and so it won't happen you, very long. So, yeah, it won't happen very long. So give some tangible ways of making that happen to do follow-up. See, we're donor-based, so I would never want to say to one of my donors, boy, we're fiscally irresponsible with your kindness and generosity. Right. I really take that seriously. Mm -hmm. So, but that takes management. That takes follow-up. That Mm -hmm. takes respecting the hard-earned money of donors. Yeah. And you're kind of saying that really in a business, even if it's a for-profit business, you're saying that to your clients. Yes. yes. <laughs> you have to be fiscally responsible yeah. to your clients, right. which ours are our students and then the clients that come in the right. door right. to being fiscally responsible. So always having that on your head. I love that. So I think so you, you ask how you do that. You, you take seriously the responsibility of that. And I think unlike mm. any other area, the nonprofit world has taught me that. Yeah, because I cannot believe the generosity and kindness of donors, and I know it's a sacrifice. And that's our clients, right? The generosity and kindness right. of our clients. right, right, <laughs> right, because right. they come in and and yes. they frequent our business yeah. and utilize our services. Yeah. And no matter what business you're in, and and you know, Lori, I was thinking about this quote actually, and it, it's a beautiful one because it reminded me of you today and reminds me of all of your volunteers, and it's by. Harold Kushner, it says, our souls are not hungry for fame, comfort, wealth, or power. Those rewards create almost as many problems as they solve. Our souls are hungry for meaning, for the sense that we have figured out how to live so that our lives matter, so that the world will at least be a little bit different for our having passed through it like I feel that's like exactly. that's you yeah. when when we're talking about this segment which I believe you is called be useful yes yes that's your epigraph yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, to be useful because that's all we want to do is to be useful. And I believe that's why you're going to have a hundred volunteers because you're showing them their usefulness because our souls are hungry for this, that our lives matter. I keep hearing over and over people say I have anxiety. Yes. Talk about that. Talk yeah. to anxiety right now. So how do you take care of that um, besides taking medication? Yeah. So, <laughs> I, you know, I can go back to what I do now. Yeah. And I can say, um, we, Youth for Christ goes in. Um, that's why I felt the urgency from going from a principal to this nonprofit. Wow. It, it has all the things that I was doing as a principal. Mm-hmm. Okay. It has... Teachers, you know, it would be teachers like my ministry directors are the teacher part. Then it has mm-hmm. volunteers and, and different kinds of, um, you know, we call them coaches, but they're mentors that go in with us. Okay. And so it's it's equipping, encouraging, empower. We have two armies that we go in, in with. Okay. And, I, and then I'll talk about how that helps this fragile generation. Okay. We have two armies that go in with us. One army are our core kids, we call them, Christian kids that grew up in Christian homes with Christian parents with great churches. We grab them and we say, you're our first army. We come alongside them and we meet with them once a month on their own. Mm-hmm. We encourage, equip, and empower them. We give them the tools that they need that they already have from their parents, from their walk with the Lord and with great churches. And we say, we're your next group that's going to help you to put your feet to your faith in your building. You're going to lead our groups. Yeah. So we're helping them to lead where they're at. Mm-hmm. We always get frustrated in the Christian world when our kids go away and they leave the Lord. Yeah. Well, on, Why youth, does that for, happen? on youth for Christ watch, mm-hmm. I, I've not seen it happen yet because mm. we take these leadership kids. The parents have done a great job. The churches have done a great job, but we have helped them put feet to their faith in a secular world. Okay. See, and that's where yes. they're headed, whether they're going to a university or a, a, a vocation. Yeah, we help them put feet to their faith in the secular world earlier in a safe mentor environment. Okay, so they've had all this great stability. We just we just help them walk it in a secular world. And so, how do you do this? There's these groups that are in the high school. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you get in mm-hmm. the high school? How did yeah. you get for Christ? It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, when you hear these yeah. stories yeah. of, yeah. you know, you can't yeah. bring your Bible, you can't pray, yeah. and now you're in high yeah. schools. Yeah. How do you do that? We're we're in this county. We're in every middle school and high school at lunch. At lunch. Every lunch. Wow. So we stay for every lunch. It's short. What do you do? Like, short give me sweet. an example. Yeah. Of what you do. So we share. Uh, what's going on in each other's life? We pray and we discover God's word together. So it's just kids that want to sign up to be a part of it. Volunteer, volunteer. They, they come in during yep. lunch. They're allowed. We give them a meal ticket, so it's a quick head of the line and come back. We find nice. some kids just head of the line and want to check. Where it do out. you meet? Do you meet so in the lunchroom? They let or us meet in a classroom, in a classroom. that's available. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? Give me a day in the life of a group of you. For yeah. Guys. So yeah. we share. We share what's going on. It's mm-hmm. called Junk Joy Jesus. Okay. And we share real quick, and then we um, we do God's word. We study God's word a little bit. We nice. There's always a verse and a theme. And, okay. and then we um, pray. What Beautiful. Do, what do we need to... What's it like a half hour? It's just a half hour at lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then we take these student leaders though Powerful. and we meet with them once a month on their own. And that's like a three hour block and we really okay. pour into them. Yeah. Just like you would in a business. Yep. You pour into your leaders yep. and they're going to pour into their people. Yep. Yep. Right? And then we ask them, what hey, an effect. reach out to kids that are on church. Reach out. Yeah. Ask them to come. And then we created other spots for them. It's called Campus Life. It's it's a Campus Life model where um, 
any anybody of any faith or you don't even know who have a God in your life um, would feel comfortable coming to. And we talk mm-hmm. about um, we don't talk about hey in in uh, First Kings this you know this we we say hey there's a guy in the Bible named David. Yeah. And let me right. tell you about this guy. Yeah. You know so we mm-hmm. talk word of God, but we mm-hmm. don't talk verse and chapter. Um, yeah. And then the it coolest, sounds too religious yeah. and churchy, yeah. right? <laughs> the coolest thing for Youth for Christ are these volunteers, these yeah. mentors. They go in, they volunteer two hours of a club, and then they do two or three plus ones a week. Okay. So we created small groups out of this big room. So let's say mm. in one of our middle schools, we have wow. 115 middle schools. One third of the middle school comes to Youth for Christ Club. Yes. But then we've got to break that down one on five so that they can be mentored. Yes. Yeah. So smaller groups, yep. smaller cell groups yeah. work better. And then they that, yeah. that one that one person with that five five kids will come to their games. They'll say, "Hey, let's." And it's girls, a, a gal mentor with girls and a guy mentor with guys. Yeah. And say, you know, they'll show up at their game or they'll say, "Hey, let's meet at Tim Hortons," or you know, yeah, or let's. I'm baking Christmas mm-hmm. cookies. Everybody come over. Oh wow! You know, so it's I mean? not just in high school. It carries out yes. outside of no. High school, it's too. not just there. Wow. Yeah. What other advice can you give and how can they contact you to get involved? As you know, well? you remember Carol Kent's book, Become an Uninvited. Oh, I love Woman Carol Kent. Okay. Yes. In mm-hmm. that book, I, that hit me as a young woman. She asked the question, What do you weep and pound the table over? Yes. What do you cry about? Okay. Yes. So, so whether it's Youth for Christ, when you want to mm-hmm. go in like a 911 call and get kids that aren't coming to church, whether it's helping unborn babies stay alive, yes. what, whatever your thing is, what do you weep and pound the table over? Yes. That's what you need to be in. Yes. That's what you need to give your time, your resources, and, and, and your time, talent, and treasure, I call it. That's what mm-hmm. you need to give it to. Yes. That gives what, you meaning. Yes. Yes. Perfectly said. That's how do you find your purpose? What do you weep and pound the table yeah. about? Yeah. That's your purpose. Yes. Wow. And this has always been my purpose. To tell people that don't mm-hmm. have a Savior about Him. Mm-hmm. That's it. I can't yeah. make them receive my Savior, but I can tell them about it. And the biggest thing that, that people want to hear about a Savior is when you, when they see your life changing. Mm-hmm. When they see your story, your yeah. struggle, your hardship, and how God used it. And how you share that with them. Yeah. Talk to the person right now, and, and you know I got the opportunity to do this with my mom last week, which was the most special moment of my entire life. Um, talk to the person right now that's listening that's saying, what is she talking about a savior? Like, yeah. I don't need a savior. Like, yeah. why does someone need a savior, and how do they get the savior? Yeah. Like, talk to them right now. You know, our world says there's a lot of different um, ways to believe in God. You know, they have, there's a really tolerant world when it comes to belief. Yeah. Um, I want to tell you that there is uh, this valley within your heart that yeah. you want to fill. And you've been trying to fill it with other things. I want you to know you are beautiful. That you were created with value. Mm-hmm. There is a God that created you and allowed you to be created. And um, that God has a call on your life. And that call has to be met by meeting that God. And you won't be empty because he created you to be amazing at what he created you to do. But he wants you to walk into that call. And until you do that, meet that Savior, this Jesus Christ, until you meet that Jesus Christ and come come into a relationship with him to this awness of God, you'll be empty. 
Mm-hmm. You won't feel as beautiful in what you are. That creator God that created the Grand Canyon, created the sunrises and sunsets, the beautifulness of our world, mm-hmm. created you. Mm-hmm. And he wants relationship with you. And, and I know we think it's about rules and changing you, but I'm going to tell you, when you meet Jesus as your Savior, you want to change. Mm-hmm. Because remember when I said at the beginning, he says to me, Lori, if you could see what I see in you. Mm-hmm. And then you go, what? What? And then you're amazed by the honest of his love. Mm-hmm. And it overshines everything else in your life. Yeah. So that's Jesus Christ. He will meet you where you're at. He, he, mm-hmm. he allowed you to be created. This is his, God's son that came down to die for your sins. And all he wants is a relationship with you. Yeah. And you'll want to change. It won't be about rules. Mm-hmm. It'll be like, man, let me get to know that Jesus more. And you'll want to change because you will understand his deep, deep love for your life. Yeah, I love that. That gives life to your story, and that's what we do at Youth for Christ. Yeah. You know what? This life of yours is a process, one yeah. day at a time. My walk with my Savior God is a process. It's one day at a time. All I do Mm. is get to know him more a little bit more every day Mm. that's it i think we try to put ourselves so far ahead in this relationship with god make it complicated and you know what it just get to know all god Mm -hmm. wants is you to get to know him a little bit more every day yeah that's That's it it. yep he's your friend yep (laughs) it's not like this you know check and balance thing you know yeah i love it thank you Lori, for being on thank you for having me absolutely amazing Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.